Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, bringing you the latest Major League Rugby news, views, and abuse. Now here are your hosts, Aaron, Dan, and Victor. And we're live. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt. Uh, I'm Aaron Castro. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, uh, the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight. I have spent most of the last weekend... You know, moving, um, joined by my frenemies, apparently. Uh, Victor Operes in New York City. Josh Fredlin in Denver. How's it going, everyone? Doing well, Aaron. Doing well. Good evening to everyone listening. Again, earful of dirt. What about you, Josh? It's been good. Just watched rugby over the weekend. Dug myself out of the snow. Just normal. Uh, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, you know, winter is something I'll travel to, but I don't want to live in. So, uh, Dan Brown is out sick. Uh, so it's another it's another episode where you know it's death match. I guess maybe Josh is gonna you know put the knife in his heart or something. Maybe not. Um, meanwhile. Uh, Corey monitoring the uh, old comment section, so hit him up. Uh, and then for everyone that's new, uh, we are here every Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. We discuss news, room, news and rumors, which I, we chase. Okay, we chase the rumors to get the facts before we go live. Uh, you know, Major League Rugby is the United States Professional Rugby Union League. Uh, so, uh Let's just get into it, guys. What do we got? Um, the Houston Sabercats hosted Los Teros de Uruguay de Rugby. No, it's like Los Teros de Rugby del Uruguay. I don't know. I My Spanish is bad. But And then uh, Noah Gold also hosted the Capital Selects. And then we're going to touch on some subjects such as Academies and academy players. So let's just get into it. Um, NOLA versus Capital Selects. Uh, the scoreline is 15 to 68 in favor of the host, the NOLA Gold. Having studied the film, I expected NOLA to impose their will. Just, I really didn't know uh, what Nate Osborne's side would give us because – you know, they hadn't been out there. And, you know, I'd seen some film on Capitol. Uh, so I put the spread out at about 20. Uh, however, uh, you know, Nola dictated the tempo on the scoreboard. Uh, and uh, Capitol, uh, you know, pluses for them, they were able to be disruptive. So it kind of uh, upset the shape on, uh, you know, on Nola, but it didn't stop them from being offensive. Uh, sort of at the end, the, the the Nola's scrum sort of lost its legs as, you know, the capital scrum found it theirs because that they ended up scoring a try at the end off of a really good scrum, and they pushed the ball out wide and, you know, get something in garbage time. Uh, Josh, you wrote our article. So yes. what did you see, man? I saw a lot of what you saw. Um, one person, I 
thought did really well from Capital was Josh Brown. Um, I've seen him play for Rocky Gorge, and he is a he's a great crash ball runner, and that's a lot of what I saw. Um, it was a lot of Nola Gold domination, as I think a lot of us expected. Maybe not as big of a blowout, but I think we all saw something like this coming. Victor. Okay, I guess I'll. Yeah, I was gonna say to jump in right there. I guess I will. Okay, so I really enjoyed the match, everyone. And I mean, just looking by the scoreboard, sixty-eight to fifteen. Definitely, Nola put the the hammer down, which is of course expected to, of a team uh, of professionals. So it was definitely really good. So it reminds me a little bit of the fifty-two-six uh, pointer. Uh, with Saber Cats against Seattle Seahawks, uh, Seahawks, the Seahawks, Seattle Saracens, excuse me. But um, the only thing is that the Capitals got luckier to a certain extent and put more points. At least they put some tries, while the Saracens put nothing in comparison. Now, what I found very interesting is that the 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 the, the scoring out of the selects came mostly. Out of mistakes, obviously from from Nola Gold, whether uh, getting them into scrum or in the lineouts, which by the way Nola put the, the foot down in the lineouts. Uh, destruction, the destruction. Yes, yes, that that is a better word. It's a better word to use. Definitely in the lineouts um, with the malls. You know, they had a was it Capital had bigger locks, but they were not mm-hmm. good right. in the lineout at all. Mm. I, skills. I, I mean, you may have the physicality, but if you don't have the skills, so. mm-hmm. I know I do know. I, I completely, I completely <laughs> agree with you. I was so happy to see that my man Sebastian Calm, uh, Private Chile, was right there in the action, scoring two tries. Gad man of the match. I'm so happy that he's doing what he was doing in in the Ohio Aviators. So hopefully by season's end. Uh, we're going to be pressing the guy. He's going to be like the highest scorer of this league too. So yeah. can't wait for um, that. Hopefully it happens. So Sebastian Colm was the gift time rugby man of the match, but John Sullivan was the Nola gold rugby man of the match. So I guess they got two men of the match. I don't know, but, um, so John Sullivan scored the first try in NOLA goal history. Uh, that was about – I don't – was that – Josh, you were tracking the scores. Was that about two minutes in? The feed kind of cut out, so. I Based on what I found, that sounds about right because uh, we didn't really get the feedback until maybe five minutes, five, seven minutes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. So, and then – um. Uh, there were some other things. There were some questions about that we fielded today. And then I, I called, I mean, I talked to coach Osborne yesterday and, uh, you know, the GM Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, had, you know, the, the podcast, the show has a really good relationship with them. So we talked, I talked with them today and people were questioning, you know, the selections, you know, Bursick. Well, Bursick's an international lock. It doesn't matter if he's six, two, I mean, the, the Chile scrum is actually – it's pretty decent. So mm-hmm. – and, you know, him pl- him starting at lock is sort of a no-brainer. For me, I didn't ask Nate ahead of the time 
about Sullivan, but Sullivan has played Locke before in select side competition. I didn't, I couldn't find anything about him playing Locke uh, beforehand. And I watched the film of the game where he was playing with Stars 15. But start when Stars has their 15 aside uh, select side, they don't play in traditional numbers. So I really thought he was playing center, but he was playing lock. Um, so, and Sullivan, they did a lot of, you know, strength testing and, you know, and Sullivan, you know, was lifting with their locks the entire time. So I, they, they just wanted an extra playmaker on the field and he scored two tries. Mm-hmm. Um, also guys, we need to mention, uh, Vince Jovo. That guy was machine. To say the least, definitely a really good ball carrier. Uh, did a couple of distribution points here and there for it, helped out in a couple of tries. So, they're, too. They're back three on, uh, you know, their loose forward uh, triumvirate is probably going to be like, for the moment, is the most talented loose back, loose forward triumvirate in the league right now until I see, you know, see a little more. But, uh, yeah, uh, and then there was great reception on the game. At one point, there were 400 people watching on the Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. I didn't and notice it. it has, I, I don't know what the final number is, the current number is right now, but it's been watched over 10,000 times. Wow, not too shabby. So, uh, you know, to the other MLR teams that aren't Houston, uh, you know, Two of the teams have got some type of mat- live match coverage uh, broadcasted. Uh, Houston is working on solutions for streaming, but they want to do it to the standard that is going to be during the season, which is like a $30,000 production per match. So it may not happen. But Noah Gold, eh, you know, it was one, it was one camera angle. I would have it would have been nice to have multiple camera angles, but what you gonna do? And I was watching it by myself in the middle of my moving during the day. So I got away with that. I don't think it would have captivated my girlfriend. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I I'll, all things considered, that thing was a success for me. Mm-hmm. Too bad there were not that many people in the stands, but man. Are you do? Oh, well, really, I mean, there was about three or 400 people there. Um, if they had, like, really advertised, uh, like, extensively, they would have, they would not have been able to really hold the match there. And the intent is to hold the match, uh, that, hold this match at Gretna. And then the next match is supposed to be uh, at their pitch at Shaw, Shaw, at Shaw High School. Um mm. The stadium is supposed to be ready uh, before the 17th. So the week before the 17th, the seven, March 17th is when they play Austin Elite in a preseason fixture. So that is the Rubicon for when they play uh, fixtures at Shawfield. Very well done. So hopefully there's going to be a lot more... Uh, Production for one, and also a lot more uh, advertisement. So yeah, people know about I, the game. I, they're 
this was sort of their um, their advertising blitz um, start. So we're going to start seeing – you're probably going to start seeing NOLA Gold ads on your phone pretty soon because I get the ones for Houston, I get the ones for Seattle, and I get the ones for Austin. So, uh, yeah, it's probably going to happen soon. Um, moving forward, uh, let's get into Sabercats v. Uruguay. Los Teros Arive, I guess. No, Los Teros Arriba. Arive is. Oh, Arriba, okay. Arive is. Uh, no, not up, like arrived. What is arrived? Oh, eh, llegaron, like the king. Yeah. Oh, oh, arribaron. Arribaron, is what you want to say? Arribaron. Los Teros Arribaron. Arribaron. Um, a Houston. Yeah, so. Los Teres, Arivaro, uh, Houston, uh, they came to impose their will upon the Sabercats. And they chose Houston because, um, you know, multiple connections. They, they've they had their uh, their team in practice and in camp for a long time. And you know what? They, they wanted a competitive side. Not to say that the other teams wouldn't be a competitive side, but it would have been some type of MLR our team that they – would have been able to face, I think. But, you know, it ends up being a lot more competitive than I thought it was going to be. It, it like, for the most part, it was because I, I ended up having to leave in, in the middle to go to an event. And so I watched it. I listened to it on demand on the backside. And uh, surprisingly, uh, I mean, Taros are very well known as a strong scrummaging side. Uh, even though they're undersized, they are very experienced, and they are also very experienced in the dark arts of scrummaging. So they know how to uh, be undersized and still kick people's ass because they've been beating us, you know. Um, but the Sabercats were actually able to impose their will with their low Irish scrum. And it's pretty much lone Irish with those two Irish props. Um, but the difference really was experience on the day. Uh, the Sabercats still had speed on the outside. They were able to score, but they just didn't have the, uh, the really, which matches on YouTube. Oh, the map, the, that's the, the Nola Capital Selection. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, uh-huh. So sorry. I'm sorry to give you all hope. Um, hopefully in a week. Yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, maybe. However, um, for some reason, the match was asked not to be either not to be filmed or the film not to be distributed by uh, Uruguay. I don't know. I, I have no reason because the Canadian coaching staff. Uh, on their way back to Langford, flew to Houston to watch this match, and they were in attendance. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, if you're trying to be sneaky, uh, you kind of fail. Mm, I got you. Can't, can't, stop I people, can't stop people from buying tickets. All right. Yes, sir. Um, of course. But you know, the real difference for me, uh, you know, just to set without watching it. Uh, is chemistry was they've just been together longer. They've been together for years. 
you know, they were able to to eke out the wind. I don't know what this says for them against Canada. Uh, Canada is basically trying to recover after a horrible summer. Uh, they had a tough autumn internationals. Uh, but it's what it says is the quality of putting men in a professional uh, training environment uh, day in and day out, whether that's 40 hours a week or 20 to 25 hours a week, can get Americans playing a high level of rugby at the franchise level, not even the Eagles level. So I really, uh, I really think that, oh yes. Uh, so I'll hit on that, but, um, yeah, it, it really says about a lot about the rugby talent that we have in this country. Um, Josh, you also wrote the match article, and I, this is where I'm like, you listened to it on the radio and wrote a really good article. That was something else for me. I mean, we, we can we can thank Grant Cole for that. Our man from this is Texas Rugby did a great good, did a great job calling the game. Um, it, was, it was a good match, like you said. Uruguay had the had the experience advantage. I do think having Houston together as long as they've been together has really helped. Really, really helped them. Um, I guess I gotta say the front row for Houston and the back the back three for Houston in Vici and Zach Benjelan and. I want to put Kalinasau in there too. They could be the difference for Houston. I mean, Pangelinen was my man of the match. And it, to be honest, he'd be my early favorite for season MVP. Uh, yeah, Pangelinen, Pangelinen is something else. And it's kind of funny watching him do all the kicking because it's traditionally you think it's more of a, uh, it's more of a fly half thing, but they have two fly halves. Uh, like two pure fly halves. And one of them in Connor Mills is playing inside center because he's just a massive human being. <laughs> and they've got, you know, like five guys that can kick. I'll say Nola did the same thing. They had JP Elo playing fullback and kicked as well. Well, I've seen JP Eloff play fly half and I've seen him kick a lot. Zach, I, I personally have not seen him play a lot until uh, – the highlights of the uh, of the Sabercats. Well, guys, I definitely enjoyed that match. Let me tell you, it's, it's kind of sad from the Sabercats. They were so close to winning that game. Scoreline was 32 to 24 because I don't think we mentioned the score. Yeah, but it was really close. I agree with, with Josh when it comes to as as, as Zach Pangelin and, and definitely early MVP. If Sebastian Calm doesn't do as as, as well as I'm wishing for him, like he did with the the, the Ohio Aviators. Uh, but yeah, this are already two matches where Pangelin is on top of things, right there from fullback, um, kicking. Moving the ball, making the, making his meters, yards, whatever you want to call it. Do it, the guy's doing is doing very well, of course. Um, of course, as you mentioned, Aaron, the experience of playing together is really what helped out the the at the end. I told you guys last week that my money was 
in, in with Uruguay, and sure enough, the one that the fixture. Uh, now, from at least from what I heard, uh, Santiago Arata, the, the scrum half guy, was killing it apparently. Uh, also, the uh, other Santiago Al Albanel also was doing quite well. So the two, the the, the two, the nine and the ten, both named Santiago, did quite well. So it was a Santiago night, really, on that one. Uh, also, real quick, um, shout-outs to the gentleman who runs the uh, Uruguayos in Houston fa uh, Facebook page. I'm actually talking with him right now as, as we record this. He tells me that he went to the game. It was incredible. He was not expecting that many people that you couldn't even see the plays, the, the, the plays of the players, because everyone was in right there, like, so close to the action. He, so uh, he's... He, According to what he's telling me right now, he left it. So, again, shout-outs to him. That's awesome. Um, you know, what was it? So, Josh was talking about the back three, and then he was throwing in Osea Kalinasau in there. Um, you know, I guess you could call it the back four because you you have, you know, Joshua Vici, DC, Joshua Vici uh, at blindside. Malachi Esdale a week, like last week, uh, came, came back in. Um, the reason why he didn't start last week is because he was called into Chola Vista for national team duty to be in, in camp because they were going to look at him. Uh, they looked at him in case they wanted to take him to Sydney and they obviously didn't select him and he came back and, you know, he crushed it with his speed as well. You've got some, I mean, this back line is, is like, his back line's intense. <laughs> You know, That's I think true. I think by the time this team is done, as long as they stay healthy, because they've they've taken a few nicks, uh, Jake Turnbull, Cody Jones. You know, as long as they stay healthy, this could this team could be a challenger for. Pardon me and my beer burps. Um, <laughs> be a challenger for the Raptors against uh, you know. For the title, I was really hopeful to see what they could do, and like you can't—I mean, you can't call it a win, but when you're building towards something, um, there's so many positives to take away from this game. And I will add that um, Houston posted on their Instagram story: Jake Turnbull was back in the weight room. So, really good news. Uh, there we go. Uh, so, moving forward, um, you know, because anything you do in rugby needs to be moving forward. Uh, they play <laughs> James Bay Athletic Club next week at home, and tune in to Grant Cole on his Mixler channel. It's Grant. It's W World Wide Web dot Mix L R dot com slash grant a cold mm -hmm. um and check out for his call of the game with brent mills um now th the academy discussion really has evolved a ton in the last week because we originally had it uh based on you know some discussions i had with the new orleans uh, coaches and the GM based on who the, some guys they had brought into camp. And cause you know, they, you had guys that they didn't officially announce, but 
you know, the Red River Rugby Conference announced and then Culver Academy announced that like their guys had signed contracts and they did, they, they did sign contracts. They signed Academy contracts, uh, you know, cause some of these guys, I mean, yeah, they play, they have some good skills, but they're still sort of like their bodies are immature, but they've evaluated the skills and they love them. So they grabbed them, they grabbed these guys early and they're putting them in, you know, as squad depth so that they can get uh, experience and be the future because you need young guys who are 20, 19, 20, 21 that are starting out in this so that they can hit their prime, especially at the locks and props, you know, five to six years from now. <laughs> um, so this question came up, uh, an article in This is American Rugby by Curtis Reed. Uh, you know, how, how do major league rugby teams interact with the national teams, specifically the age grades? So like U18s, you, uh, so high school Americans, U20 programs, uh, and for me, this is my opinion. Uh, you guys can share yours, of course. So the major, major league rugby is a commercial enterprise. They have no responsibility to develop the age grade players for the high school Americans and the U20 program. Uh, they have a responsibility to develop players so that the product is commercially viable. The coaching and development of age grade players rests at the feet of the NGB. The NGB can't get mad at a commercial entity when there isn't even a high school varsity initiative. I think that, you know, we're seeing with the, the academy plan of the Sabercats as it's beginning to start. And, um, you know, part of their academy plan is establishing four high school teams this year. Uh, in the Houston uh, Independent School District, which is basically the inner city school district of Houston. Just four pure high school teams. And then expand upon that. So if you get a high school, high school, 15, high school rugby 15s team in every school in HISD, you're going to have like a a pipeline of players just ready to go, let alone like the other ISDs in the Houston metropolitan area. Um, and so then from there, you sort of like down select uh, two guys. But a part of, you know, their academy system is also like coaching. Uh, you know, their coaches coaching players, but also doing coach education of high school and youth coaches so that they can coach their players better so that before kids even get to the academy, their fundamentals and their skills and their weight training is all there. Um, you know, sure. Will major league rugby release their academy players to for national duty? Why not? I mean, it looks good. Right. And based on conversations with, you know, GMs and owners, they believe in the value of the national shirt. So that's my diatribe, Josh. I, I think just for the money's sake that MLR might help out just because we all know the issues that rugby has here in the United States with money. Um, 
with the academy programs, I know Houston's developing theirs. Glendale has had theirs for a while. Um, maybe we could eventually see just an um, an academy league, like have have like a uh, two matches on a day where you got the academy sides playing each other, and then the then the premier sides playing each other. But just for money's sakes, I don't see why the coaches at the high school all Americans or the U twenty programs wouldn't use the resources like. They have these programs developing these players. They can watch these players develop, and then they could select them for the programs. Well, see, I echo the, the sentiments uh, of Josh as well. I mean, if the players are there and they're being developed, why not take advantage of that, at least on the part of the coaches? Of course, I mean, you want to grab kids probably from other programs that are doing doing well outside of Major League Rugby. But, of course, I mean, if they're going to have a couple of players that, as a coach, you would say, you know what, this player may help the cause of the team, might as well. Again, I definitely also understand the point that you're trying to make, Aaron, as in Major League Rugby, it does not owe the national governing body anything for the development of players because, obviously, they are... A, a, there's a sports league and they are not only there to show the sport, but by showing the sport to make a profit. At the end of the day, profit is, is what happens, of course. But, you know, I, I, and it should be, to a certain extent, a little a little account, accountable to, again, for the larger uh, let me see how to put it, the larger rugby sphere I guess, in, in the country, in terms of development of players and the like. So, so yeah. That is a, the, the biggest... That's, at least that's my opinion on that. The biggest thing, and, you know, Tosan, you know, viral, you know, viral rugby, you know, he, he dropped a comment in there. Shout out, man. He and I talk about this stuff, like, I, I probably need to get paid. I mean, everyone in this group needs to get paid to just do rugby, but... Like the amount of convert high level conversations that we have, you know, in, in our group and outside of this group, like, you know, it's not about what the one national team coach does. It's not, it's about the 2000 high school coaches out there. It's about upskilling them, right? Pushing their skills up. And I talked about – that's one of the reasons why we on the podcast are doing this series with Gordon Hamlin, talking about, you know, attack systems. And we'll talk about defensive systems um, later on. Is upskilling people. Because if we want our youth to be operated at a higher level, um, you know, if we want to get out of the Junior World Trophy and stay in the Junior World Championship – uh, for you 20s and the next time the HSAAs get invited to the European Championships they can you know they go off on a tear and you know win it we got to develop the developers so it's not really about what the academies will do for the players as much as they will do for the co- the high school coaches and youth coaches in the surrounding area So that's, I mean, developing players is something, but you have to develop the developers. 
I do agree with that. Um, like I know, remember Zach Fanolio, I believe he's still with the Raptors, coaches the Regis Jesuit high school team here. He he's your two- starting hooker, you dick. Hey, they still haven't announced their roster yet, okay? They just announced that they're putting season tickets on sale in a week today. <laughs> so he, he led the Regis Jesuit high school team to the state championship. Um, I believe last year or the year before. And uh, he's one of the leading players in high school rugby here in Colorado. And I believe he's helping grow the game. Yeah. um, So I I think we'll, I think I'll hit on this now. Um, So the coaches, the Academy coaches for the Sabercats are under, under Matt Truville's guidance are, Connor Murphy, Jake Turnbull, Charlie Hewitt, and Osea Kalinasau. So you have a scrum half, you have a prop, you have a lock, you have a center wing fullback combo. <laughs> so I mean you've got so you've got a halfback to coach halfbacks, you've got prop to coach front row. And you got a lock to coach locks and loose forwards, and you've got, you know, a gold medalist center to coach, you know, your deep backs. For an academy, an academy interesting coach, that they brought him. Um. Well, so I can't really speak for Jake, but Connor Murphy and Charles both came up through academy system, so they know done i mean they, they both you know went like uh, you know charlie hewitt did first and which totally fits trying to do because he believes in he's like this is the united states the university system is the pathway so uh if anyone thinks that uh you know kieran farmer is just playing pro rugby that, that doesn't fit in with matt truville's worldview I bet that dude's going to UH right now. And he has to balance being a professional rugby player. Trying to be a world-class. Yeah. You've got young coaches with high-level experience. That's who's coaching the academy for the Sabercats. Um, Short show. Jeez. All right. Um, yeah, we should probably talk about that, dude. Um, all right, so let's get into player signings. Paul Mullen, pure loose head, but in a pinch, I'm told that he can play scrub, not scrub half. <laughs> That's another thing we'll talk about in abuse, I guess. Um Paul Mullen can play tight head in a pinch at a very high level where, you know, he began playing uh, rugby when he was 12 years old at Glenstall Abbey. And he was a member of the Ireland U19s, USA U20s. He's just a massive young man. Uh, he came up through the Munster Academy being a member of Munster U18, U19, and U20 teams. Pardon. He's also a member of the Connaught Munster combined side. So that's pretty intense. 
Uh, migrated to the U.S. Uh, he has gone to Texas A&M Galveston for his undergraduate degree in uh, marine engineering. Uh, he was the captain for Galveston RFC and Texas A&M uh, Galveston RFC. Um, he just defended his master's thesis in marine engineering. Uh, he uh, has one class. So he's commuting to Galveston uh, one day a week and living in Houston uh, to train with the Sabercats. He's not in match shape yet. Uh, uh, partially stemming from uh, the, a red card he took for a couple, a couple years ago. Uh, interesting story there. Uh, I don't really know exactly what happened, but he was like, you know, he made a deal with the, the rest association. He wants to play rugby. And so as a part of the band he was serving, uh, he became a ref and says he really enjoys refing. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, but it really fits what, uh, what Fitzy is doing when he's building this forward pack. Um, also, Nick Evans, signed by the San Diego Legion, plays center wing. Um, he has played with Seattle Saracens, on back. Uh, it was announced on Next Level Rugby's The Grind by his longtime partner, uh, USA 7's player, Kelsey Stockert. And he is mostly known in the industry as Mr. Stockert. Kind of funny there. Um, but yeah, another San Diego signing that was confirmed not by San Diego. Guys, throw me a bone. Post a player signing, please. Also, what position does Nick play? Nick, he's a center wing. Very well. Um, Josh, what do you got for me? Uh, the Seattle Seawolves signed a couple players. Uh, first up, we had uh, USA Eagles number 442, Nick Wallace. He's a tight head prop. He's a former four-time All-American at Gale Rugby, St. Mary's. He's also a member of the 2009 Rugby Canada under-20 side. As a football standout, he originally chose to attend Western Washington for football, but redshirted and returned to the game he learned playing in middle school for Chuckanut Bay Rugby Club. As a prop, he plays great with the ball in hand and runs people over, yet he's skillful with his offloads. Victor. Beautiful. And another player, by the way, that signs with this, yeah, the Seawolves is a prop, Mr. Larome, or Larome. I think it's Larome. Larome White. Uh, so he, he was an All-American for the University of Louisville in the winter of 2017. He got called to Eagles camp for matches against Chile and Argentina. He played for the Middletown Warriors Rugby Club, first as center, later as a prop. In 2016, he had the opportunity to spend time with the Sharks Academy. He actually got coached by famous uh, Zimbabwean-born uh, South African Springbok player, Mr. Uh, Machu Dera Tentaya, the, the beast. I can never get his, his name correctly. But, um, but he's, like a, he's a young lad, pretty much. I got trained by the beast. Um, he, there's, there's a nickname for him. I think they call it the Little Beast. 
But in any case, um, he's a hero to, to La Rome. So definitely looks up to the guy. And apparently they still keep in touch, which is great. Yeah, I mean, these are all of these signings that we uh, came up with this week are really just extremely high level signings. Uh, I guess uh, I had some concerns about Seattle because um, more so because Tony Healy was quoted as saying, hey, man, we don't need to play a lot of the style of rugby we're going to play isn't going to require us to play a lot of, you know, preseason fixtures. And I was like, eh. Okay, and then you know they con- continued to sign players, uh, you know, just like they did this week. Uh, those two front row players, oh man, oh man. Um, um, but yeah, that's my opinion on those guys. What about you guys? Um, like opinions, not just words. Sounds good. Well, in terms of these players that we got just now, I mean, I was not aware of um, Paul Mullen, so good for him. He's another player to uh, to the Sabercats. Um, in terms of the two signings for the the Seawolves, again, both of them are props. Of course, those are definitely needed. Can't say I, I knew neither of them. Nick Wallace sort of left the the, the USA rugby picture before I got into the game, so I just heard of him last week. But it, it would be good to see him returning to the game if he gets back into international side shape. He could do probably like a Tony Porpora that just came back from 2010. No one was suspecting that, so who knows? We may get this from from Nick Wallace. Uh, which kind of funny he played for Canada and USA, probably definitely the first player to ever do that. Who knows if anyone's going to break his record. And when it comes to Larome uh, La, uh, La White, we definitely need a piece of our own. So hopefully he can get something similar to, uh, to this. Uh, I keep forgetting his name. They got from South Africa. Something similar to that. So we'll see. So go ahead. Anyone else? Paul Mullen was was definitely interesting. I didn't realize he had signed for Houston. I heard Grant mention him at halftime, saying he was a ref in the red card situation. It was definitely interesting. And hey, if if the USA can get Little Beast working, might be a great thing for us. Um, I agree with that. For Nick for Nick Wallace, uh, there was an emphasis in the about. Uh, you know, that he's worked, he wants to work back into the national side. So uh, another prop working in a, in a high level uh, space uh, to work himself back into the national side. I'm all about that. Moving forward. Uh, let's get into views, news and abuse. Um, so Zach Striffler did not play prop. Um, that was because obviously rugby numbers do not go up to number 24 unless you use uh, non-traditional numbers, which we're not doing. Um, there was an extra 12 for uh, the extended bench. So Amro Gouda went in at prop towards the end of the game. 
Um, didn't really have like an extended roster to put out for the commentator. Uh, and they're like to say, you know, Hey, this guy's going back in. And I guess there were some cues that didn't happen, but you know, um, first for everything, good to go. Um, uh, and then, uh, this is kind of, this was kind of cool. We talked a little bit about the Sabercats Academy. They had 42 young athletes show up for their combine and eight from PD Hepburn's own Cypher Warriors. That's pretty cool. That is great. Um, following that, uh, there was news from British Columbia Rugby News yesterday. Uh, Seattle will play the Vancouver Island Selects. Uh, Glendale uh, previously announced their exhibition against Nola Gold. Uh, on, and then, uh, I guess, by popular demand, the USMLR website uh, has thrown up a... If you've noticed since found it and sent it to us in an email, they've been adding fixtures uh, going forward. Um, and, you know, uh, it's really good to see uh, this Vancouver Island selects game. I think it's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough. Like I, I know Curry Hitchborn has, basically raided the BC Bears roster and brought half of those guys down to Seattle. But uh, the other half, like, it is, you know, plays on Vancouver Island. And uh, what I understand, these are some hard dudes. Um, is there a Tweet of the Week? There is. Okay. Do you want me to jump into it? Yeah. Let's go. Beautiful. Awesome, guys. Well, everyone, welcome to Tweet of the Week. It's Dan Brown, another guy from the Da Vinci Code, R. Dan Brown, is out sick. I'll take over his position as usual. So to, to tonight's Tweet of the Week comes from Mr. Tommy Murphy, the father of Connor Murphy from, ah. yeah, from the Houston Sabercats. Yeah. He put a really nice comment that I personally liked, which I will share to you. He said, and I quote, well done, son. Great game from you and the lads. What a shift last night. And then he uses three, uh, no, excuse me, four applause emojis and a heart emoji. And then says, dad, mom, and the rest of the Murphy clan. So really nice. So again, the case, because I couldn't find any, any anyone better than that one. That's, again, this week's Twitter of the Week. Back to you, Aaron. <laughs> so, actually, it's it's somebody else. Where is he at? Oh, hey, guys. Sorry, I was just uh, catching up on some reading here. Uh, by the way, uh, recommendation right here on the pod, When Bears Attack... <laughs> If you have an opportunity, uh, it's, uh, might save your life one day. <laughs> uh, so, uh, where, where the hell's Dan? Sorry, what have uh, I missed? Hey, Josh, think, it's nice to see you. I think Josh killed him. Oh, hey, my bad. We've all known it's been coming for a while, so I guess best get it over with so we can move on. All right, <laughs> questions from Bob. Here's what we got this week. Actually, we got several questions. So uh, 
buckle in, fellas. Uh, so first question from Bob is actually from Josh. And he would like to know, uh, Josh, what do you want to know? Maybe you should read it for us. <laughs> um, with the success of the Houston-Uruguay match, could we see maybe lower-end national teams like Mexico, Chile come for a preseason match? I'm assuming against other MLR sides, right? Yes. Sorry. Well, not Mexico. And I specifically uh, – this is my only opinion because Victor, I, I think, is, has a great opinion. Uh, the Rugby America's North Tier 3 nations are just not there right now. That's my opinion. No, you know what, Aaron? I, I, I second that, definitely. But, I mean, it wouldn't be – wouldn't be bad if they come up just to get some experience. I mean, that's okay. But yeah, definitely the two or three nations in, in Rugby America's North are still not up to snuff. Now, my hope is that with the new America's Rugby Championship a B, if you want to call it that, or second division, where it's expected to have Mexico, Trinidad, and Tobago, Guyana, and, and no, is it Guyana? No, 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 Guyana, excuse me. It's supposed to be Mexico, Trinidad, and Tobago. Paraguay and Colombia. There we go. So it's my hope that with those four teams playing constantly year in, year out, the development of the Mexican team may go up and eventually enough to for them to actually challenge a, a Major League Rugby team and actually win. Because really, if, if the Sabercats play Mexico, I'm, I'm sure they're done. And Colombia's actually getting up there too. I know Dan loves to hear that because, again, his girlfriend is Colombian. But I would definitely also love to see the Colombian team making it to Houston and playing Sabercats in the future. Very good. All right. Next up this week is from uh, Reddit user Downakeen. Downakeen? Downey Keen. Adam Downey Keen. Okay. He's on Twitter. He says hello all the time. Fantastic. Well, if I uh, actually looked at Twitter, oh, wait. <laughs> Uh, he would like to know, Adam would like to know, with the emphasis on community outreach and building roots in the local community at the core of MLR and the teams, do you think any future relocation of teams can be ruled out by default? Who wants to take this one on? Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with... It depends on the situation. At first, I would say no, just because of the costs. But depending on how the community relation aspect, if that sours, I could see it as maybe the town just runs the team out. But just from a cost prohibitive aspect, I would say no. I mean, unless you're... Uh, unless you're uh, cronky and you have like $8 billion yourself... Uh, no. <laughs> I would hope that there is no relocation. Likewise, I hope it, 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 I hope it doesn't happen. But, I mean, if it has to happen for whatever reason, eh. but I do hope that teams Ooh. open in one city and stay there forever. Well, I'm kind of hoping uh, that, you know, we, we get the teams figured out this year and get the expansion teams up and running before we have to worry about uh, relocating anybody. So... It, it that means we'll have to relocate. <laughs> well, hey, we're on the internet, guys. Oh. Uh, 
we can be anywhere they want us to be. Um. All right. So last question. Well, no, two more questions. Sorry, my bad. Cohook, uh, a uh, friend of the show and regular commenter, would like to know, where does Houston plan to play their league games this spring? Aaron, I think uh, you've got some information on that one, don't you? Yeah, so I asked that question um, of our connection, and I got an answer that I could sort of, like, craft. Um, so their first official match will take place at Constellation Field on April 21st, part of the season kickoff. Uh, they're currently in negotiations to host their final three home matches. Their home ground will more than likely probably go to phase two, which will put it about like six to 7,000 rather than 3,500 because of like the reception they've had. You know, if you look at their average, it's around 3,700 uh, between the three matches so far. And if, you know, marketing is just going to be on point, uh, the rest. I don't think a uh, three thousand, you know, capacity will fit them in twenty nineteen. Anybody else had any thoughts? Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> moving on. Last question. Uh, from regular uh, questioner Humpers92. Any news on sponsorship for the league? I, uh, what I are we nothing. hearing out there? I got nothing. Nothing thus far. I haven't seen I anything. Ask. I could ask, but mm. I do know that uh, Carbach, which is a Brewing company in Houston, but they are also owned by Anheuser-Busch, is a sponsor of the Houston Sabercats. The Texas Mattress Company is a sponsor of Houston Sabercats. Baylor College of Medicine is a partner, and they are an activated sponsor with uh, the Houston Sabercats. And there's a a few more in there. So um, team sponsors out there. Uh, for the moment, uh, but league, I got, I got nothing. So, um, I guess maybe you guys can just take a minute while we're on the subject and talk a little bit about how this is handled around the world. Obviously, you know, you think of the Guinness Pro 14 and uh, other professional setups like that. Um, so, you have multiple levels of sponsorship. You have team sponsorships. You have league sponsorships. Um, so rather than knowing all the answers, maybe we could just talk for a couple minutes on how that works other places that may give us a clue of what to look for with MLR. Yeah. So, um, let's, let's look at tiers. So most rugby competitions in the world have a named sponsor. Sponsors, you know, the Aviva Premiership. Uh, then, you know, Green King sponsors the RFU Championship. Then you have the Guinness Pro 14. And then you have the the one that doesn't have a sponsor is Top 14. Oh, Top 14, yeah, that's true. Top 14 doesn't have a sponsor. So, like, French are sort of different, but the Anglo competitions yeah. 
all have sponsors. To the point where, to the point where the Ulster Bank League, which is the All Ireland top division competition in amateur rugby, has a sponsor. Think about that. Um, so I, I, you're gonna want the money. Like so much of rugby in the world is focused around uh, sponsorship. You go down to the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, you have. There isn't a sponsor for the entire Super Rugby, but like Vodacom, the of the country. it's by, based on country. So Vodacom sponsors, you know, Super Rugby uh, in South Africa, Argentina. Yeah, in South Africa, in Argentina, which is another telecom company. Personal. Uh, Personal. Then in uh, Australia, I forget. Get who sponsors it, and then there's another one. in in New Zealand, someone sponsors it. I think I think New Zealand is Bank of New Zealand. I think I could be wrong. Yeah, and then you have, Super Rugby does have a sponsor. I'm looking at their website. It says Investec Super Rugby. Oh yeah. Oh, that's New Zealand. So Investec is okay. New Zealand. Um, ah, okay. So yeah, I'm sorry. So just yeah. popped out. Um, but um. Yeah, and then so you've got league sponsorship, and then you have kit sponsorship. Uh, you know, Nib, BNZ. Uh, it's something that American sports have really resisted, except soccer. Um, mm-hmm. We are all about Nate. So then, you, so then in rugby, and then in professional sports, you have uh, you have name rights for stadiums after right. league after. Sponsorships, right? And then after that, you have sponsorship. You have the smaller kit sponsor, right? Because if you look at some of these, the the worst jerseys out there, I think for me right now, when it comes to how sponsors are just plastered over there, are uh, uh, Association Sportive Montferrat in Mm -hmm. Parma. Those are, the, those are like the ugliest uniforms. Like the uniform by itself, nice if you remove the sponsors, but they put all the sponsors like right up in your chest area. Yeah, there's like five of them. That is true. So, um, yeah, um, I'm told that there's supposed to be sponsors for each team, but I haven't seen that announced yet. It is interesting, though. I would, uh, from an American standpoint, you don't think of it as you know the Budweiser NBA or NFL. You know, you don't even think. At least I don't. I don't think of uh, MSL like that or MLS. Sorry. Uh, like, I'm sure they've got league sponsors, but they don't. You know, don't name the league after the sponsor. So the yeah. league itself doesn't have naming rights. So I wonder how that maybe impacts and whether I, it's also, I think a reasonable question to ask whether MLR is going to be looking uh, internally for us sponsors, or if they're going to be looking towards more of the traditional uh, rugby sponsors overseas. Uh, well, that's yet to be seen. I mean, so this is where it gets weird, right? You have us sponsor us, major us companies overseas sponsoring leagues. So I think 
based on how you look at sponsors in rugby, it's people trying to get into that market. Sponsors, you're away. Right? What? Visa sponsors Argentina. AIG sponsors the All Blacks. You know, um, so we don't think, so this is how big Capri Sun is. Uh, Wild, the owner of that company that makes Capri Sun, in, never knew it was a European drink until Stade Francais. Jersey. I always thought it was like a Kraft Heinz product. But Capri Sun is so big that they're a, you know, a major sponsor in the sports world. Always. Kraft Heinz licensed product here. So are we going to see the, uh, the Kraft Heinz Chicago Lions or something like that? What I don't want is what you see in Super Rugby where it's the uh, like the BNZ Crusaders where the team or, or the Emirates Lions. I don't want to see that. That is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is definitely the last thing that rugby here in the States need. Plus, guys, let's be honest with each other. Rugby here in the States needs to develop like other sports do in the U.S. So I, when I see rugby, I want to see rugby from an American perspective. I don't want to see it from the way they do it in Europe. Something that was in the hemisphere that does other. So, I mean, the European model doesn't work here. Like it just doesn't, um, like relegation and all that stuff. That, that doesn't work. No, 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 no. No, it's specifically about the sponsorships and promotion and the like. That. Oh yeah, I think. Well, we're seeing in basketball, the sponsorship on jerseys is now. Showing. Um, the what was it? Uh, the Warriors have a sponsorship deal. It's like five years, a hundred million bucks or something like that, for a tiny little. It's like tiny. It's like hmm. it's, it's smaller than this. Yeah, I know Denver. Denver's sponsorship is with Western Union. Ah, uh, boo! They're with like a money company. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Hey, something, something, man. That's money coming into well, the team. Western Union. I mean, Western Union used to do telegrams. They used to do all sorts of stuff. I think they still do telegrams. Kind of weird. Um. I, so that's my I, – I agree with Victor. We've got to do it like the American way. So I, I think, you know, sponsorship on jerseys is fine. Sp name rights for stadium is fine with me. It's – the sponsor has to fit into the jersey. It can't be, you know, just throwing a bunch of sponsorship logos onto the kit. Uh, don't name your team after the sponsor. Yes. Yeah. Another thing too is trying to get these American companies to support the teams in the U.S. because they get. I mean, you got Visa, you got American Insurance Group, you got Nike making the the kit for for Argentina. Then you had um, Under Armour doing it for Georgia now Canterbury. Dang it! I mean, all these apparel companies from the U.S. Like, like seriously, they they don't come into you know. Help out. Until recently, Under Armour's rugby line was not available to U.S. teams. So I think 
Navy wears Under Armour, but they had to like buy it overseas. I could be corrected by somebody. I don't care, but they had to like buy it overseas or something. But Cal's Cal's rugby line from Under Armour is the first from the ground up designed Under Armour line in the states. Um, there you go. That's really for, interesting for mm-hmm. rugby. Um, when Cal switched to Under Armour this last uh, last year. Yeah, because they were Nike, and also you could not get those Nike jerseys. You need to, you ha- if you get get something from Cal, it had to be Rhino Rugby, and I don't like the Rhino Rugby ones. Yeah, that was. I mean, that kind of sucked. You can never get those jerseys. Um, Dude, seriously. And then what we, the heck? Hey there. Um, I think we can answer this question that you posted off Twitter. Uh, as far as the kit is concerned. Sure. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So. Um, this is actually not a question directed at us. It's a tweet from uh, Tony Ridnell over to the Seattle Seawolves, and he just wanted the team to know first. Uh, he's already picked up his season tickets, and uh, he's looking forward to a fun, competitive season and best wishes to the team. But he wants to know, where are the kits? So I think he's ready to so, buy. In regards to all the X-Blades team wear, I, like as part of the conversation I had with uh, Ryan Fitzgerald this morning, I don't know if it's like going to clear customs, but all of the kits are supposed to arrive in their cargo containers or however they show up this week. So I would say about February 1st, they'll start shipping. So the, the kits will be in the country at the end of the week. And then they have to clear customs. That's still really interesting. You know, it's easy to forget uh, that it's coming in from uh, from down under. Or is it coming from New Zealand or Australia? Australia. Australia. Interesting. Well, thanks for the update, Aaron. Yeah. So, All right, guys. Uh, we got anything else for the good of the cause? Any final thoughts tonight? Okay, I guess I go to win my final thoughts, guys, as usual. So, everyone, thank you very much for joining us at the Earful of Dirt podcast. Pleasure to have you. Uh, too bad, again, we we couldn't have Dan on, but hey, we had Josh, so that's not bad. It's cool. Josh, it was uh, nice to have you in, bro. And yeah, keep killing it right there with that with the, those editorials. It's not bad, I'm going to tell you. Thanks. Anytime. Mind a few words, this one. Mind a few words. Anyways, so guys, as always, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Earful of Dirt Podcast. As always, like us on Facebook, Earful of Dirt. Send him on Twitter and Instagram. And now you have to check out our website because, again, I just give props to Josh. Make that a man earn his money, which it's not. He's not earning because it's not any money. <laughs> but keep in mind that. <laughs> so keep in mind that email. Yeah, excuse me. That email. That website is earfulofdirt.com. Also, as always, um, look look for us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and of course, add us to your feed. Also, leave us a review. Uh, we don't have one for 2018, guys, so be the first ones. Put that, that review right there. Also, guys, like always, call us on our phone number. Still waiting for that voicemail. Keep in mind that number is 
So again, that's one seven two zero six hundred two six seven nine. Help out, guys! Again, leave that that voicemail. Hopefully, when you leave that voicemail, my wife, who's kind of sick right now, feels a little better. So come on, help out the poor woman. She's right there in bed, looking kind of bad. Yeah, she's just looking at me. Hey, love, love you too. <laughs> Anyways, is oh by the way, the broadcast um seven p.m. Pacific time, ten p.m. Eastern. So guys, with that, one thing. Uh, oh yes, go ahead, Aaron. Uh, I am live with Will Maggie tomorrow at ten a.m. Mountain time. Will Maggie, bro, Maggie, not Maggie. I'll, I'll let him correct me. Okay. Ma- I know he corrected so, me. Mag- oh really? Is Maggie? Really? Yeah, That's Maggie. Cool. So yes. be like, no, Maggie. So, I, so, so Will. Um. So my my colleague says that I'm supposed to pronounce your name Maggie. Because you corrected him when he when he first met you months ago. Mm-hmm. You're telling you, yeah, you're telling yes, it's Victor, that guy from 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 the match with, that you had with Old Blue that called your mom old. You remember me? The guy that said exactly the guy that said I need a picture with that man, ma'am. <laughs> like I t- like I said that to her mom. <laughs> But yeah, I'm sure he'll remember me. Beautiful. So yes, guys, definitely tune into the lineouts interview with Will McGee. So with that, guys, as always, Victor here. Again, that was Aaron. That was Josh. Dan is somewhere, not here in the in the talk. And of course, that was Corey. Uh, thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.